0: We love you, we're praying for you, we thank God for the opportunity to bring God's word to you. Today we're gonna start in chapter three of Second Thessalonians, and I'm gonna ask Yoni just to read the whole chapter from the beginning of our discussion.
1: Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good, If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him, so that he will be put to shame. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand, and this is a distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you, Yoni, for
0: reading this third chapter. I'm gonna close out this beautiful letter that Paul has written to the believers at Thessalonica by just summarizing some of these verses and leaving these principles with us. First of all, in verse three, he says God is faithful. Remember the context, the historical context. These are believers that are being persecuted. So in the midst of this, The faithfulness of God can be understood in such an incredible way. Paul understands the faithfulness of God. Even though he was driven from the city because of the persecution, in the midst of this, they can stand strong and they can know the faithfulness of God. And he has confidence in the Lord about what God is going to do in their lives and how they're gonna stand firm and how they're gonna be strong in the faith. God is a faithful God. Also, I want to point out in verses 6 through 10, and please reread these verses, but in these verses, we see the understanding of living a disciplined life and what it means to be disciplined in this context is to work. And to work with your own hands and to provide for yourself and not to rely on others to take care of you they did this to be an example of god's word not just something that was preached to them or taught to them but to actually live the gospel in front of them that they would work with their own hands live a disciplined life not rely upon others to take care of them even though they could have asked them to take care of them because they were working for god They could have asked them to take care of their room, where they're staying to pay for their expenses, for their food, for their travel, all of these things... They could have asked them, but these are young believers and they did not want outsiders to make an accusation against them to these young believers. See, they're doing this to take advantage of you financially. So they work night and day in order to teach and preach God's word to these new believers and also to the non-believers to share the gospel and that there couldn't be any accusation against them of why they were doing this. They set the example for them. Now they have credibility to speak into the life of a believer that's not willing to work. If a believer is not willing to work, what Paul is saying back to this community of faith, then he is not to eat. We have forgotten this principle in Western culture, and it has also come into the church, that if there is somebody that is able to work, that is physically able to work, and is refusing to work, and then they're wanting help or assistance or wanting food, we have a clear mandate from God's word not to help them because what you are doing is rewarding bad behavior. As believers, we are to live a disciplined life. We are to work. We are to provide for ourselves. We are to provide for our families. We are to be a good example of working and being a disciplined individual and glorifying God through what we do. As a believer, I should be the best worker in my company, whatever context in which I'm working, I should leave behind a great testimony of what God has done within my life. However, in Thessalonica, as we look at this in verses 11 and 12, there are some that have refused to work and there should be a rebuke against them. We should not come to them and say, well, it's okay, and be sympathetic with them. If they're able to work, physically able, mentally able, they have the opportunity, we should rebuke them if they're not willing to work, and we should not reward bad behavior. So Paul is saying to the church, tell that individual, go out and get a job and do it in the right way. Glorify God and provide for yourself. All believers should have this mentality, We should not grow weary in doing good. All work is good work. If it's decent work and it's not edifying evil, if it is something that is providing for ourselves and for our families, do it for the glory of God and leave a great testimony behind. And do not be a person that is expecting others to take care of you. If anyone, in verses 14 and 15, if anyone refuses to obey this instruction, there should be godly shame that comes upon them. The community of faith, and I really want us to understand this, we're living in a culture here in America where shame is a evil thing. Say a child goes to school and he doesn't study and he doesn't work hard and he makes a 30 out of 100 on an exam. We say, oh, isn't that incredible? You made 30, you got 30% right. No, it's embarrassing. That child should be shamed. You didn't study. You did not do your homework. You were not serious about it. And you made a 30 and you failed. And the element of shame is an extremely important aspect of Middle Eastern culture. If you've never lived in Middle Eastern culture, it's one of the greatest motivation aspects of those cultures is when a person has not done their job and they're not doing right, the community shames them. I have lived in cultures where they use shame and it does work it is motivation that child that person never wants to go through that experience again when they come before a classroom or before their school and their shame because they got into a fight or something of that nature And the whole community knows about it. And a letter goes out to all the parents about this child who is the son of this family and the grandson of this individual has shamed his name. And it is a tremendous deterrent from bad behavior. That is a Middle Eastern culture. That is also a biblical culture. Because in verses 14 and 15, I'm going to read these verses. It's about godly shame. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him. He is saying, don't even be in fellowship with that individual so that he will be put to shame. By not associating with that person, by not talking with him, by not being in fellowship with that person, you're letting that individual know he's doing wrong. Verse 15, part of godly shame is all about restoration. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Your whole goal in shame is to get that individual to do what is right. Now in the Western culture, we think it's evil, this shame. How dare you to shame my son, my daughter? My kid is on your team and you shamed him in front of the whole team. How dare you do that? But please understand that there is a godly shame that is very scripturally based. Here is an individual within the community that's not willing to work, not willing to pay for his own food, and is coming and asking for others to take care of them, yet he's able to work. He has the opportunity to work. You're not even to associate with them so that you shame them, so that they're not an enemy but you're trying to teach them to do what is right, but you need to regard them as a brother. I love you as a brother, but I'm not going to talk to you until you start doing what is right. That is godly shame. And I'm saying to the people that are listening, that should be a part of who we are today. That godly shame is something that will motivate a teenager or an undisciplined believer to do what is right when the whole body says, no, this is wrong. Until you get your act together, don't ask us again. Don't come around and do not bother us with this anymore. We're not going to associate with you. Once you start doing what is right, then we will see God being glorified in your life. It's in verse 17 where Paul says, I write this greeting with my own hand. Remember, if you go back to chapter 2, Somebody had come, or some individuals had come, and said that Paul had wrote a letter concerning that the day of the Lord has come. It either came by a spirit, a message, or a letter as if from Paul. So Paul wants them to know this letter right here is not a a phony document. It's in his own handwriting, either the greeting. The greeting could mean the whole letter or part of the letter that he has written with his own hand and that this is his writing, this has his stamp of approval. And he wants to know that this is a genuine letter that comes from him. He closes out in verse 18, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Usually Paul begins and ends with God's grace. And I like to say this, that everything in my life begins and ends with the grace of God. Everything about my my salvation begins and ends with God's grace. I do not want to go through any day without understanding I'm here today by God's grace. I stand today by God's grace. I go forward today by the grace of God, and I acknowledge His grace in everything that I do. I think Paul understood this, and then you see most of his writings beginning and ending with the grace of God. He understood within his own life. He was saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And it wasn't of his own works. This was the free gift of God that had come into his life. And here he wants them to understand the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. Praise God. I hope you have enjoyed this letter. I hope that it has ministered to your life. Take the principles that have been taught By Paul to the Thessalonians, take these principles and apply them to your life today. Everything that I have taught, go back through, read it from beginning to end and make sure that I have the essence of everything that Paul was saying, that I haven't taken anything out of context, but the original intent of what God was saying through Paul to those in Thessalonica that this is coming through. This is the word of God, and may God's word be hid within our hearts, and may we not sin against him. May we walk in his ways, and may his word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and may the word of God be alive within us, Paul's going to say to Timothy later on, "Study to show thyself to prove a workman; need it not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." What is he studying? Word of God. What do you need to be studying and what do I need to be studying every single day? The Word of God. It needs to be active that we're living the Word of God, not just hearing the Word, but doing the Word and allowing the gospel to be spread through our life and through our actions and also by what we speak. May God do that within our lives. Heavenly Father, Thank you for this letter that Paul has written to the believers at Thessalonica. May every principle that was taught live within our hearts. May we have a good understanding of your coming and what's going to happen at the end, O oh God, and your day, which will bring everything in the right order. God, we just pray that we will put our full faith and trust in you and understand, God, that you are a faithful God and Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in our lives, we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.